0: Okay, I'm going to take tonight, what I want to do before I get into this, is I'm going to take you very personal to you. Because, because folks, my Bible tells me it's a personal relationship. You can go to church your whole life and still not make heaven. It's a personal relationship. Okay, I was talking, you know, I, I talked to people, all the time about about various things, and I tell them I say, guys, it don't matter. You come to this church, you go to that church. Well, it does matter what, go, what church you go to because it's going to matter what is preached. But it doesn't it doesn't matter if you do not have a personal relationship. We've been talking about an invisible war. So what I want to do before I, I get into this tonight, we learned last week very clearly that Satan. The devil is a created being. Tonight we're going to pick up in letter B of your notes that the devil is a corrupt being. He still is corrupt. He's so deceived that he believes his own stuff. But I want to take us into some personal uh, evaluation, some personal examination. And see what we believe. But before we do, let me just open the floor. Questions that might have been berming, uh, 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 what's it called? Percolating. (laughs) That's not the word I was thinking of, but that works. Percolating all week. Questions that have been kind of on you and and concerning you. Lift your hand up high and let us get a microphone to you if you have any. Because we're going to jump into this. We're going to jump into it. Elbows and armpits deep, okay? Uh, We are in an invisible war. Go ahead and lift your hand. I'm going to keep talking. We are in an invisible war. Like it or not, want it or not, choose it or not, you're in it, okay? And the Bible talks, I've had people say, Pastor, what happens when the rapture happens and and we go to heaven and, and all of a sudden the devil is released uh, you know, for that thousand years, we have to do this all over again? No. The Bible says the second death has no power over us. Okay? Okay. And so you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Those are all lies and fears and uh, deceptions of the enemy would try to get you to believe. Why? He doesn't want you to make the finish line. Okay? If you need notes, uh, Pastor Ray has some notes. So you can lift your hand up. These are the same notes that we started with two weeks ago, but we're in uh, another section of it, okay? People ask me, Pastor, how long does it take to get through notes? Can I tell you something? Every time I put a set of notes together, I put them together for one class. They don't work, okay? That's why sometimes when we have four sets of notes, it'll take us 16, 20, 24 weeks. Why? Because this is not a lecture room. This is a participatory room. You don't grow if you don't know. Well, so, Pastor, how do I know that I grow? Because you start to show. Folks, that's one of those things. If you don't know, you don't grow. If you don't grow, you don't show. And if you don't show, you will ultimately go. And that's not what God wants. Okay? So we got a question. Okay, so if the devil cannot read our minds... How, well, or does he put thoughts into our mind? Because we have these negative thoughts that keep okay. coming. In. Very good question. We actually got it. We were quite in depth in this last week. But that's very good to, to bring back up this week. Okay? If the devil, how many believe the devil can read your mind? Okay? He absolutely cannot. Because that would make him omniscient. Okay. Omniscient means all-knowing, okay? And throughout Scripture, the Bible tells us very plainly in two or three different places that if the God of this world would have known what was going to happen, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. See, the devil does not know everything. But the very good question was brought up, if he doesn't read his mind, can he put thoughts in our mind? The answer to that is absolutely yes, okay? But he cannot usually put thoughts there of someplace you haven't already been. See, all the devil is is a duplicator. That's all he is. He tells you of things you've seen. That's why the Bible tells us guard our eyes, guard our minds, guard our ears, don't... There's not much on the radio worth listening to. If it's not glorifying God, or at least not derogatorily decimating people or God, don't listen to it. There's not much on TV worth watching. News included. Folks, I, I watch the news. That's probably, I turned my TV on tonight because I hadn't had the news on all week. And I thought, my goodness, I better turn it back on. And you know, it's the same garbage it was on last week. Okay? It doesn't change much except there's tidbits that come on. And right now, what, what's your pastor's focus? The Middle East. Everything that happens in the end times revolves around the Middle East. Okay? And there's a brand-new ultimatum set before Syria. According to the book of... uh, (laughs) My mind just went blank. Uh, Isaiah, Damascus will be uninhabitable before the Lord's return. If what they're intimating happens, it will be uninhabitable. Because the majority of your terrorist organization's headquarters are not only in Syria, they're in Damascus. So I I don't know. So I watch the news for for these things. But I tell you that the devil can put thoughts in your mind. And if you're a guy, that thought usually is a girl. If you're a girl, that thought usually is a boy. It can be all kinds of different things. But they usually revolve around something that we have desired. Okay, let me take you all the way back to the garden. Do you think Adam and Eve didn't know that tree was there? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Do you think they had not had this whispering thing, talking to them many times before they go, listen to me, a thought is not sin. What you do with it makes it sin. Mm-hmm. But the devil will not stop until you stop him. And the only way it stops is you've got to say, no, I'm not going to give in to this. The Bible says resist the devil, and what does he have to do? He has to flee. It's not an option. Now, understand, there is a caveat. Two things happen on both the sides of resist. How many know their scripture well enough that they can tell me? The first thing, submit to God. You can't submit to God when you've got your head full of crap. Can I say that in church? Stuff. You can't submit to God if you got your eyeballs watching things you shouldn't be watching. You know why? The Holy Spirit's convicting you. You can't submit to God if you're listening to the things that you know is not bringing edification anywhere. See, Elsie? Are Are you with me? So the first thing God tells us: submit to God. Why can't we resist the devil? Because we're not submitted to God. Folks, the natural progression of things. I'm submitted to God. The devil puts thoughts in my mind. 1 Corinthians 10 I cast that puppy down. I make it obey what? God's word. People say all the time, How do I know what to do? When's the last time you read your Bible? God's written will always promotes His perfect will for your life. Okay? Submit yourself to God. Thank you. See, I already started talking too much and my coffee got cold. Submit yourself to God. Then resist the devil. Then what happens? He has to flee. He doesn't have a choice. But then the other piece... Submit to God. Resist the devil. What's the third thing? They're all, they're a sandwich. Draw near to God. So God says, submit to me. When the battle's happening, uh-uh, devil, ain't going to do this. Resist him. Stand against him. And then what happens? God says, when you have went through that battle, what's the first thing you do? Draw near to God. You got to get rejuvenated you got to get refreshed. Am I making sense? Okay? Because those thoughts are going to come back around. There's no, folks, there's no new bag of tricks, just a new bag of fools. That's all, you know, and I, I, I don't mean to be so straightforward, but guys, when I'm talk, gals, when I'm talking about this invisible war, it's not, he's in it for keeps. Okay, Great question. Did I answer it okay? okay? He does put thoughts in there. Can't read your mind. Uh, Sherelle, get a microphone back there, please. Who's running mics today? Oh, good.
1: So I asked you last week and you said, hold on.
0: You oh, to, answer to ask this me this week. week. Yeah. I hope I remember what you were going to ask me so I could be ready for it, but that's okay.
1: I just want to know, what are the fiery stones? That he was- what are
0: the fiery stones? Okay. The Bible talks about Lucifer walking amongst the fiery stones. The fiery stones represent the angelic beings of God, okay? In the throne room, remember we talked about the different angelic levels of hierarchical authority, okay? Most of the stuff that I've read, when he's walking among the fiery stones, he's walking amongst the, the, the different levels of the angels of God, God's hierarchy, okay? That's most of the stuff that I've read on that, okay? Okay? Now, have you you read something else on it? No. Okay. Has anybody else read anything else on it? Okay. I forgot all about the question or I would have got back into it and uh, done a little research on it. Matter of fact, the nice thing about the computer age. Yeah, that's good. fiery stones of Ezekiel, okay, fiery stones that you walked among. Uh, Talks about the different cherubs, the different. uh, He was the anointed cherub. He was the most powerful of all the cherubs. I'm trying to get one little nugget to pull out to help you to see. Can't do it in this short amount of time. I, t- I do this tonight. When I get home, is my wife in here? Sweetheart, will you remind me to do a little word study on that, and I'll shoot Shirelle an uh, email. Okay? I'll shoot you on fiery stones. Okay? And I'll shoot you an email. Great great question. And, folks, see, the pastor doesn't know everything. I just know where all the answers are. Okay? Anybody else? Any other questions before we get into tonight? Ken? Yeah, let a microphone come back there because we want to record the questions.
1: In the first question that was brought up in the discussion that you gave, I feel it's important to understand. Raise your mic a little bit, can please? I feel it's important to understand that it's easier to fight a battle at the beginning than when the battle is raging. For instance, in in, in the thing of thoughts, the fiery darts as I refer to them. Uh Okay.
0: Well, that's what the Bible calls them.
1: Yeah, it, it, uh, it, let's just say it, it, it involves lust, uh-huh. okay? Well, at that point, it is so much easier to do the battle at the very moment you receive this fiery dark, this thought from outside than it is to entertain it for a while, okay? Because then you start getting to all sorts of further problems.
0: Good, good. Okay, okay. Let's, let's just take that and let's take it contextually. Go all the way back to Pharaoh's palace. Remember a young man named Joseph, okay? One of, the tw- one of the 12 patriarchs, okay? Joseph is in Potiphar's palace. He is the second guy in command, only under Potiphar. He goes in there, and Potiphar's wife has a lustful eye after Joseph. Well, guess where the king's at? He's out doing his kingly stuff, his, his you know, whatever. He's away from the scenario. And his wife's hitting hard on Joseph. What's Joe do? What's Joe? <laughs> what's Joseph do the first time? Well, you know, Mrs. Potiphar, I would really be interested in this, but you know the boss. He, you know, he, it might cost me. What's he do the first time? He cuts it. He's gone. He doesn't hang around. He goes in the next time. What's she do? The same thing. What's Joseph do? The same thing. You know what the Bible says? Flee. Listen to what Ken's saying. Not just flee the sin, but flee the very appearance of evil. Cut it when it first happens. When the thought. Okay, let let me tell you. Your pastor's been a pastor for a long time. Do you know the devil still tries to get me to look at a pretty girl? I got the most beautiful girl in this church. Nothing personal, guys. But you know what I do the very moment it happens? God, thank you. I thank you. I claim this girl for your glory. I thank you, Lord. I don't know her from Adam. I don't keep my eyes on her, but I start praying for her. You know the last thing the devil wants me to do? Start praying for people. So you know what the devil start, stops doing? Pointing things out. Now, that's a very simplistic way to look at it, but to Ken's point, deal with it. The minute it happens, the minute it happens, oh, pastor, come on, cut it clean. Are you saying that every time you handle it perfectly, if I did, I'd already be in heaven, folks, but I don't, but every time I immediately take it back to the king. Is he okay? Was that, was that good, Ken? Good response. Okay. Anybody else? I want to make sure I get the questions as much as we can. Go ahead, Carlos. You told me to remind you about... (laughs) Great. Another reminder (laughs) that I forgot about. (laughs) Which one? (laughs) You you told me to remind you about uh, what I talked to you about after uh, last Wednesday where the devil always takes things of God and and, uh, twists them and turns them into things and... Like with the LGBT uh, adopting the the rainbow as their symbol when it's actually uh, God's promise never to flood the earth again. Good. And and then uh, also in the medical field we see the the two snakes twisted on the pole. Moses' staff. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and Moses' staff. He only had the one snake up on the pole, but. Uh, Like I said, the medical field has the two snakes, and that's actually the symbol for the God of commerce. And that's probably why we spend so much money on medical. But very good. So what does Satan do? He perverts what God creates. Let's go back to Moses, okay? Moses, God, when when they were rebelling against God... Uh, and they were all dying. The Bible says serpents were, were loosed in the wilderness and they were biting people. And, and God said, Moses, lift your staff, make a staff and put a, a symbol of a snake. When they look upon it, they will be healed. And what did what did the enemy do? Well, bless God, I'll make sure they look to me. I'll put two snakes up there. What do you think the second snake represents? Money. Huh? Money? Money? You think it might represent a serpent in the wilderness? His whole thing is to be high and lifted up and be worshipped, isn't it? God said, I'll deliver you with this one image. But he said, well, I want my image to be there. I don't know. Just speculating. Let's go to the rainbow. Do you think it is a it is coincidental that the LGBTQSYZ community? They got a bunch more letters in there. I don't know what they are. Okay, uh, that they have taken God's promise of never destroying the earth again and using it for their covering? You think it could be that the enemy did that to help them think, God's not going to destroy you for love? Why can't two people love? Because God's Word says not to. Two men cannot lie together as man with woman. Two women cannot lie together as man with woman. Plain and simple. Well, I don't care. I don't believe that's what it says. Don't care what you believe. That's what it says. See, I I don't, I've got ten commandments, not ten suggestions. Okay? I've got God's Word filled with absolutes. But we don't like absolutes. We like gray. Can I tell you? There's not a single piece of gray in God's word. It's all black and white. Well, yeah, it's red if you got a red letter edition. (laughs) If you got a red letter edition, thanks, Danny. It's all black and white, folks. Cut and dry. Okay, God, you know, yeah, good, great, great stuff. Uh, uh, Carlos, did that answer okay? Okay, and there's so many more, but you take the picture, folks. Okay, anybody else? Any other things been percolating in your heads since our last class? Okay. Um, uh, you got a Bible, Danny? Okay. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15. And then Lenore, I want you to do verse 17. Okay? And then I'm going to come up here, Dale. Isaiah, fourteen, twelve through fourteen, okay, and then Bob, uh, Jeremiah seventeen, nine, uh, Jack, Proverbs four, twenty-three. Sure, uh, Vernon, you got a Bible with you? Okay, Proverbs four twenty three. You get your Bible with you, Kim. You want to read a passage? Proverbs sixteen eighteen, and then one more. Actually, we're going to try to get this far. Okay, uh, John Jaramillo, James one twenty two. Okay, are we there, Danny? Ezekiel twenty eight fifteen, and then you're going to do seventeen, Lenore. Okay, and I want you to read loudly and clearly. Uh, uh, Satan is a corrupted being, because that's what we're going to spend the night talking about. We're going to talk about corrupt, but very shortly, I'm going to change it from Satan to us. What is Satan's power? He has no authority. that's all been stripped from him. but what is his power? Deception. Deception. That's the only power that Satan has. It's, and if, if you know we're talking about thoughts, we're talking about those things. If he can get you to believe that thought, he can get you to live that thought. That's why God tells us to cast it down and bring it into obedience to what? God's word. Not your feelings, not your emotions, not your wants, not your desires. Bring it into obedience to God's word. Are you okay? We're talking about a war. And, folks, the war is for our eternal soul. It's for eternity. With winners and losers. Ezekiel 28, 15. We're talking about a corrupted being. Go ahead, Danny. Put the microphone right in front of your lips. You were blameless in your ways. Let me, see. <laughs> Let me read
1: it for you. <laughs> he says for me to read it. Okay, that's fine. Go ahead. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you.
0: I want you to underline in your notes that, that line. Till wickedness was found in you. You were blameless. Now look at, the, look at what God says. God is talking about the anointed cherub that covered the most powerful uh, angel of all the cherubs. Now, we talked about the seraphim. We talked about the cherubim. We talked about the archangels being pretty much in the same realm. That's why most people believe that Michael and Lucifer were both the only archangels that the Bible really talks about. It talk, and there's only one messenger angel that the Bible names, and that is Gabriel Every time you see Gabriel, you see him bringing a message from God. Every time you see Michael, what do you see? You got war going on. Every time you see Lucifer, what do you see? You see devastation. You see deception. But you also see a false glory. That's why the Scripture tells us in Corinthians, okay? Uh, Not Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians? It's in the Bible. (laughs) That Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Where is that at? I don't remember. I think it's Galatians. Is that where it's at? I'm a pastor, not a concordance. Actually, 2 Corinthians. I was right the first time. 2 Corinthians eleven, fourteen. 14. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Why is it a great thing that his ministers are transformed into ministers of righteousness? Talking about pastors. Talking about churches. Talking about people that name the name of the Lord. Deception. Okay? A false masquerade that he tries to project and 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 uh, build himself, okay? So he, he says, you were blameless until wickedness was found in you. 17, go ahead.
1: Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacular of you before kings.
0: Made a spectacle of you. Now look at this. God answers, what was the wickedness that was found in him? From 15, he says, you were blameless until wickedness was found in you. What was the wickedness? Pride. Look what it says there. Your heart became proud. Underline those three words. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is the problem every Christian on earth has. Remember, he has no authority, but his power is deception. His power is deception. Okay? So corruption came because of his pride. Now, look at me quickly. Pride is not a bad thing. Because you have pride, you got cleaned up before you came. If you could, or you got freshened up, you got whatever. When you go out, you try to look nice. When you talk to somebody, you try to, you know, watch your breath. You try to do different things. You try to dress in nice clothes. You try to be appropriate. That's called pride. And you and I have pride. Who created pride? God created it. You to have pride is not a problem. When pride has you, man, Will, you're all that in a bag of chips. I tell you what, man, when the girls see you walk down the street, ooh, la wee, they... you say, well, pastor, is that a problem? Not until Will starts believing it. You know how Will starts believing? He's walking down the street. Oh, praise the Lamb of God. And the devil starts whispering him. Oh, praise the Lamb of God. All of a sudden, he gets a little swagger in his walk. He gets a little skip in his step. I can't even do it well. I gotta get Pastor Philemon here. He has he got the moves, but but do you see the picture? All it is we believe something about ourselves that might not be all that healthy. He became corrupt because of his pride. Deception, listen, ladies and gentlemen, write, write this down on your notes. Deception starts in a heart. Deception starts in a heart. And evil is just like cancer. Because of the fall, it exists in every single one of us. Are you okay? I, you know, when I first got saved, and I've shared this story before, but I'll share it in brevity. I was really bothered. I had no—I mean, no lightning. I didn't feel any different. I didn't, I mean, nothing, you know. I just prayed a prayer. I believed God's word said, Confess with your mouth Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth confession made in the South, with the heart man believes in a righteous, okay, praise the Lord. That bothered me for probably 10 years of my salvation, saying, God, did I really get saved? I'm already pastoring. God, I believe this stuff. I really do, God. But am I really... Anybody besides me ever felt that way? I read Billy Graham's testimony. It was in Time Magazine. And it was like his 25-year thing or 30-year thing or something like that. Uh, and so I read it. And they're asking him all these questions, you know, about Billy Graham and and uh, all these different things. And then the guy asked, and I know God put it in there just for me. He said... Tell me about, I don't, and I don't remember if the guy was a Christian. I don't remember what. It was in Time Magazine. I don't remember what the guy, if he was a Christian or not. He could have said it because I've heard of a salvation experience. Tell me what happened when you got saved. That's basically what he said. And I kept the article for years, and I might still have it in my, in my boxes someplace. And you know what Billy Graham said? Nothing. I prayed a prayer. Didn't feel anything. Didn't sense anything. No lightning. I mean, it's almost like I wrote the article. And I'm saying, God, if that's Billy Graham, I'm pretty sure Billy Graham saved. So I think I'm in good company. Okay, and so you know, I, I, you know, but in that same article, Billy Graham was asked, and I don't remember exactly how it was worded, but have you ever considered falling? turning away. Have you ever given given in or whatever the case? I don't remember the words. And Billy Graham said these words, there's not a single person alive, myself included, given the right place, the right time, the right situation, the right circumstance, and he knew he wouldn't be caught, that he wouldn't work out his most vile fantasy. Because every one of us have it in us. Every one of us have it in us. God didn't put that there, but the heart, Satan pulverizes, and since the fall, the Bible says, because of one man's sin, sin came upon all men. Are you okay today? Okay, so evil, like cancer, because of sin and the degraded world that we live in now exists in all of us. Isaiah 14, Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, quickly, whoever has that.
1: 12 to 14. Isaiah 14, 12 to 14. Yes. How you have fallen from the heaven
0: morning star, son of the dawn. Okay, remember who who we're talking about? What is the the, uh, Greek word for morning star? Lucifer. Lucifer's name means star of the morning or the morning star. So that's what he's talking about. Go. Go ahead. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once lay low the nations. Okay, that's what Lenore just read out of Isaiah when he said that he was cast out of heaven and made a spectacle before the nations. Okay, go ahead. Verse 13,
1: you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the star of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Ziphon. I will ascend above the top of the clouds.
0: I will make myself like the most high. Okay, you see my hand? You see my hand? If you've ever heard or if you've never heard, this is called the five eyes of Isaiah. If you get around somebody that, that you know, is talking about this and they're trying to do whatever and they ever throw up this thing, do you know about the five eyes of Isaiah? That's what it is. It's where Satan said, I am going to do this. I am going to do that. I and there's five eyes. This is where we get I itis. But look what God said in your notes. It's there in front of you. I want you to underline these five words. It's in the second line of your notes. You said in your heart. You said in your heart, I will ascend. I will raise my throne. I will sit enthroned. I will ascend above the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. This is the epitome of deception. Now, I want you to look at me very purposely because for the next few minutes, I'm going to turn this away from Satan to us. This is how we lose. And I don't want any losers in here, I want all winners. Okay? In this war, how easily we are deceived? How easily we are deceived? Why do you think we could be easily deceived? Elsie? I'm sorry. Our sin nature. Why do you think we could be easily to deceived? Heart. The heart OK, that's very close. It's the root of the heart, okay? circumstances. Why do you think it'd be easy to deceive? Our minds? Let me ask you a question. If I ever want to know everything I ever want to know about you, what do I got to get you to do? No, no not gossip. I got to get you to talk about you. And do you know there's not a person on earth you'd rather talk about? Why are we so easily deceived? Satan makes it about us. You? Well, Pastor, I don't get it. I will be ascending to heaven. I will raise my throne. I will sit enthroned. I will ascend. I can be like God. It hasn't changed since the garden, folks. It hasn't changed. All Satan has to do to get you or I away from God is get us to start thinking about us. Well, that's not how I think. I think the other, the negative. Oh, yeah. The victim, that's just as bad as the arrogant. If you think of how pitiful things are and how poor you are and, and and, and no, you know, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Everybody knows the trouble you've seen because everybody's been there. See, that's why the Bible over and over says everyone's going through the same stuff because he doesn't want to get the devil to make you start thinking it's about you. It's not. The war's not about you. The war's God and Satan. You and I just happen to be in the middle. Folks, realize in this war, there's three votes One's voting against us. One's voting for us. And neither of them can do anything because you have the tiebreaker. You're the one that chooses. Win or lose. Well, God isn't going to send anybody to hell. You're right. He's not sending anybody. You paid for the ticket yourself. Well, how would you pay? When I rejected Christ. You say, well, I didn't reject Christ. I prayed a prayer. Are you living for him? Man, it's quiet in here. Selfishness in your notes, selfishness, arrogance, and pride is the false trinity that brings us down. You have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You got the false prophet, the Antichrist. What's the third one? The uh, the beast. Well, you also got me, myself, and I. It's the the strategy has never changed. If he can make it about you, if he can make it about me, well, I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, so I'm not going to stand up. I'm not going to make any. Decisive choices. Can I tell you the indecision is the choice? It's already a decision. Why well, just decided not to decide? How's that working out for you? Arrogance, selfishness, pride—these are Satan's tools. That's what brought him down. That was what brings us down. Jeremiah seventeen nine, Proverbs four twenty three. Who has that? Seventeen nine. Yep. Okay.
1: The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is?
0: Remember, I told you it was going to take it right back to us. And I'm going to spend the rest of the night helping us to see how easily we can be deceived. The human heart is desperately wicked beyond anything. How many have ever said, well, he's got a good heart? Anybody ever said that? Anybody ever heard that? That's a great lie, folks. None of us. I, I take you back to Jesus' confrontation or conversation with the rich young ruler. Good master. What did Jesus say? There's nobody good. Now, folks, if Jesus said that about himself, you say, why did Jesus say that about? He's the epitome of good. But he's talking about in the flesh. He's doing the same, dealing with the same flesh you and I deal with. Okay? Desperately wicked, who can even begin to know it? Proverbs 423. 4, who has that? Proverbs 423. There you go. Go ahead, Vernon. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Who? Listen to this. Okay? The heart is desperately wicked above anything. And he said, keep your heart with all diligence. Bless you. Pay attention to what's going on inside of you. Your mind, your thoughts, the innermost parts of your being. Why? Out of it flow the issues of life. Now we're going to get into this mystical representation of the heart and find out that it's not mystical at all. Proverbs 16, 18, who has that? Proverbs 16, 18, all the way in the back there with Ken. And then Romans 12, 3. Yeah, the mic's not on. It's not it's not working for some reason.
1: Okay. There you go. All right. Proverbs 16:18 says, "Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall."
0: What is the difference between tri- pride and haughtiness? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Remember David's prayer God, keep me from the sin of presumption. Anybody remember that passage? What does it mean to be presumptuous? Same thing with being haughty. Okay? Pride comes before destruction when you think it's all about you. And haughtiness means ain't going to happen to me. Presumption, I'm above it. You see the difference? Bob, he can do anything. Now he walks in that. I mean, I think he can do everything. His wife thinks he can do everything, so hey. he. Can. But the reality, so he, yeah, I'm all that in a bag of chips. Oh, John, I know you can't go into that little stripping joint over there, but I can. I'm stronger. You see the difference between pride and haughtiness? I can do what you can't do, nanny, nanny, nanny. Yeah, no. Okay? Presumption. Because of my position as a pastor, oh, I can get away with things you can't get away from. With Really? That's, that's a haughty statement. That, please, don't put that on the tape. That is not true. I can't get away. Okay? I can't. Okay? I'm on the same. Okay? Are, you got it? Pride comes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall Romans 12:3 Who has it? 12:3 Was that you, John? Oh, you got James. Who's got 12 12:3 12, of Romans? Okay, for sake of time, I'm going to read it. By the grace given me I say to you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. God said deal with that haughtiness because all that is is fruit of a root, and the root's pride. When you start becoming haughty, pride now has you. Am I making sense? I'm trying to help us understand why we mess up, why we fall, The devil never stops. Remember? He's always lying to us. He's always trying to deceive us. But it doesn't make a difference until you bite. Did somebody else bite? Oh, that's right. The Garden of Eden. Yeah, somebody did take a bite. Okay. When you bite, that's when you're on the way down. Okay. Well, pastor, I bit. Can I do something about it? Yeah. It's called repent. It's that word that the church don't like to use anymore. Repent. What's repent mean? Say I'm, sorry. Say I'm sorry. That's part of it. Turn away. If I'm going this way and I repent, now I'm going this way. Are you with me? Okay. Am I making sense tonight? Okay, James chapter 1, verse 22. So we see that Satan was corrupted. Because his heart was lifted up in pride. He started believing. Was people, were the angels telling him he was all in the bag of chips? I don't know. I don't know what, what happened. I wasn't there. But all I know is he was lifted up in his own beauty, lifted up in his own pride. And the Bible says that's when arrogance came in, haughtiness came in. And he said, I'm going to be all of this. And God said, not on my watch. Okay? James 1.22. This is where the problem begins as a Christian. James 1.22. Okay, John, before you read that, give me, the, give me a Bible. I, I got my computer, folks, and I always hate to lift it. Well, this, what the? No, it's not. Okay, this Bible, okay? When this book just stays there, when this book... Just stays there. When this book is a paperweight or a coffee coaster, when this book is is something besides what it's supposed to be, we are on a road to destruction. It is supposed to be read, it is supposed to be applied. How do I know if it's applied? It is now lived. If it's not read, how can it be applied? If it's not applied, how can it be lived? Listen to what John says. Go ahead, John. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Uh, don't, don't give him the mic yet. I want you to read it again. Read it louder. And This is the NLT. Okay? Do it again. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Okay, let me have your microphone. Sarah, I want you to read the same verse. Which version are you out of, what is this? NIV. Go ahead and read the same verse.
1: Do not merely listen to
0: the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't just listen to it. You know, to a lot of people, the only God they get is Sunday morning from a pulpit. How many know people like that? How many used to be people like that? That's the only thing you do. Folks, I'm going to get very very personal. If you're not reading it, you're not living it. This is our owner's manual. Now, folks, you don't have to read chapters. Read one verse. Do you know how many people in other countries that are that are underground churches? They don't have books. They don't have Bibles. They have a page. They build their whole life on one verse. Well, how do they do that? Because the word of God's alive. Man, on, Questions? Comments? Thoughts? Disagreements? Okay, I want to talk about the heart. It says, don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. If we do not what the word says, we deceive ourselves. We're not above God's word. Well, God, God understands. Jesus died, church. That's what God understands. Are you okay? Jesus died. He doesn't understand why people live together and not be married. He doesn't understand two men living together or coming together, two women coming together, a guy and two girls, two guys and a girl. All kinds of perversion that Satan has accomplished. Oh, God knows exactly why. It's called sin. That's why the Bible says he hates sin. He doesn't hate the sinner. He loves the homosexual as much as he loves you and I. He loves the one that's buried in alcohol just as much as he loves us. But he hates what the sin of this world because of man's choice has done. And Satan is deceiving everybody the same way. Why? Because he's getting you to believe and me to believe it's about us and not about God. He's getting us to bite. Well, God, if He really loved me, I wouldn't be going through this. What else could God do? He sent his son to die. Well, why am I going through what I'm going through? Because two people made a decision in the Garden of Eden 6,000 years ago, and you and I are going to live with the consequences until Jesus returns. Yeah, but it's, it's just too hard. If it was too hard, you would not be going through it. Because his word said, I won't let you go through what you can't handle. Okay? The issue is then as the issue is now. Satan got Adam and Eve to believe it was about them. And they bit. And the minute Satan could get you to believe and me to believe, it's about. Could you imagine? Oh, they're all here because of me. Could you imagine? Can you imagine? There's a lot of pulpits like that. And I don't, I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm just telling, if he can get us to bite, then he can start us on the path of deception. Because that's what he did. Are you with me? Okay? Christian.
1: Hi, I have a question um, uh, well, pertaining about the demons and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, what do you call it? Thank you. Um, you know what it says that, like, if someone has demons and then they leave, and then if you're not, um, uh-huh. your house is empty. Matthew chapter 7, yes. Matthew what?
0: It's the book of Matthew.
1: Seven. No, twelve. it's 1245, no?
0: Matthew 12, okay. It's in Matthew. Okay. Thank you.
1: Uh-huh. And uh, how does that apply uh, to this? Okay,
0: she's talking about a passage. Uh, the, 1240. 1240. Let's, uh, let's try to turn out of heaven. Oh, there it is. 1245, okay? You, you're correct. I was wrong. That's why I'm a pastor, not a concordance, okay? <laughs> when an unclean spirit goes out of a man... He goes through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came, and when he comes, he finds it, listen to this, empty sweat, and swept, and put in order. But he goes there, and he brings seven spirits, worse than he is, and he enters in to live. And the state of that man was worse than it was before. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Okay, let's look at the passage. This is a little off track, but it's a very good statement That goes along with what we're dealing with in this passage. The picture here is a person that gives their life to Christ. But does not live for him. That's what the whole picture of being swept, cleaned, and empty. Everything that was there before becomes new. Old things have passed away. But then all of a sudden that person just lives the life they always lived. Nothing changes. Because you see folks. Nothing changes on the outside if you don't want it to. Nothing changes on the outside. When I got saved, God took me out of the nightclubs. Okay? I wasn't doing anything, quote, unquote, necessarily wrong. But God spoke to me and said, you're in here drawing people to sin and you call yourself a Christian. Okay, God, I get the picture. Very clear. All of a sudden... I stopped going to the nightclubs. I gave my life to Christ, but I'm not going to church. I'm not reading the Bible. I'm not applying God's Word to my life. I'm still doing everything the rest of the world does. How would you know I'm a Christian? I wouldn't. Why wouldn't I? Take a mic back to my wife, please. She's, okay. Okay. Am I a Christian if I've not applied God's Word to my life and began to live it. Sweetheart?
1: Explain to people what you were doing in the nightclubs because not everybody knows your past.
0: Oh, I, I was in the entertainment business. I, I played music in nightclubs. I played in, I, I, you know, in front of tens of thousands of people over the years, and, and I was on my way to stardom. And God said, that's not what I gave you the gift for. So I walked away from it. People... Said, you know, you gave up your career for church? Said, no, didn't give up anything. I just returned back to the rightful owner the gift that was given me. Amen. So now I sing for God. Okay? So the picture is, is if Christian here decides to become a Christian, she comes up here and she prays a prayer, which a lot of religions teach. Oh, as long as you prayed that prayer, you're okay. You mean I can do whatever I want to? Yeah, God understands. Can you? You got the house all swept, got it all cleaned, but it's empty. So when the enemy comes back and he says, oh, okay, great. Hey, guys, we got extra room. Come on. And there's the picture of the religious world, the end times world. You cannot call yourself a Christian if you're not living Christ-like. Is that okay? Yep. Questions? Yes, John? You've got to fill it. That's what I'm saying. It's empty. So what's that, what's that represent? God's not there. Oh, he came in and set you free. But you said, God, i got it, I got it in control. I'm, I'm doing good. I don't need you. And then all of a sudden, and then he says, you're seven times worse than you were. It's, it's, it's a bad thing. Okay, so let's go into this thing real quick. First, what I want to do is I want to deal with the obvious when I'm talking about the heart. Okay, we've spent this whole <clears throat> time. How was Satan corrupted? His heart was corrupted. Okay? His heart was corrupted. How was his heart corrupted? It became about him. you Are you are getting that picture? Are we, are we clear? Okay? It became about him. Good or bad, you can become about you and be all lifted up in pride. Or you can be all torn down on false pride. Folks, it's the same pride. One builds you higher than you think. One takes you lower than you think. Same pride. One's real. One's, or one's, one's going this direction. One's going that other direction. But it's still the same thing. It's all about you. Are you making sense? Am I making sense? Okay. I know people. We, I was having a conversation with some of the leaders of the church the other day about people they want to live the life they're living. They want the victim mentality. Remember when Jesus went through the Bible, every single person he came to deliver I say every single, there's two that I can think of that he didn't say it this way. He asked them, "Do you want to be free?" Remember? Remember the guy that pulled a Bethesda 38 years, he's on that mat. And Jesus said, "Do you want to be whole?" And he started making excuses why he wasn't. Can I tell you something? There are people that like to be victims. Well, you don't understand. Now, I'm not trying to make light of it, folks. But people like the attention. Do you know why? It's about them. Oh, man, if I had what Justine had. Man, did you see that fine set of wheels? She'd got a great job. I mean, she's got, yeah. And Justine, she doesn't say anything. Why? It's about her. You see how the difference is not really a difference at all? We both like the attention. And that's all Satan's fighting for. He said, I want to be God. But it ain't going to happen. Am I making sense tonight? Yes. And God says, Steve, thank you. Anybody else, am I making sense? Yes. Okay, good. Okay? Think about it for a second. It's always been a heart issue. Always been a heart issue. Okay? The obvious is I'm not talking about the physical muscle. I'm not talking about the the romantic, philosophical, or literary definitions of the heart. What I'm focusing on is what the Bible says about the heart. And I I just... I'm not going to finish, but I'm going to get into this as much as I can. In the Bible... Over 300 references are made to the heart of man. And in essence, what it is saying is the heart is the spiritual part of us where our emotions and faculty of knowing, we reference it as the soul. Man is a spirit. He lives in a body. He has a soul, the soulish part of the man, okay? We're talking about we're talking about the, the uh, spiritual, emotional knowledge, the part that God created in His image, the part that's going to live forever. When God talks about the heart, that's the part He is talking about, okay? Before I look at the human heart any further, I wrote this stuff down and I wanted to make sure I don't miss any of it. What I'm going to mention is this reality, God has emotions and desires, the Bible says that God has a heart. Is it the physical, the physiological? No. It's talking about the spiritual aspect, the emotional, the knowledge part. Okay? And you and I, when we are born again, what does God do? He gives us his heart. That's when everything that was is done away and everything that can be And is supposed to be, is created new. When God says you are a new creature, did you look in the mirror and something changed? Does he have more hair? Less hair. Does he have more muscles? Less muscles. Okay, I'm making a a little levity there. But the reality is not talking. We're talking about God's heart is placed in us. That real place that He originally wanted us to know Him. Let's look at David, okay? David in 1 Samuel 2.35 in the book of Acts, okay, well, excuse me, the book of Acts 13, the Bible says that David was what? A man after God's own heart. We have a heart because God has a heart. David is a man after God's own heart because he was without mistake. What was the thing that differentiated David He made decisions based on God. God was the author and the finisher of his heart, of his faith, of his determination. Did he mess up? Yes. How did he mess up if he had God's heart? Because he still has his own. Look at me. As long as it's about you, you will mess up every single time. With Bathsheba, did it become about David or about God? With Uriah, did it become about David or about God? With Absalom, did it become about David or about God? Solomon, did it become... Okay, folks, every time it becomes about us, it's not about God. And God allows that. He said, okay, fine. But there's results and consequences of the choices we make. We are still free moral agents. You give your life to Christ, you can choose to fill, them with, fill, them, fill your life with Christ or just still do your own thing. you got a choice. And that choice will not end until the day we go home. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Yeah. Okay. So the heart is a spiritual, emotional, physical. I've got, gosh, I've got a lot of scripture here that I, I didn't have a chance Okay. Uh, write down on your papers. I want you to go home and study these, okay? Acts 13, 22, 1 Corinthians 2. Oh, heck, never mind. We'll come up next week. Okay. So let's just open it up for questions. We talked about a lot of stuff. Questions. This is not a lecture, folks. This is a participation class. John. Pastor, real quick, have you seen the
1: symbol of apple? Does that mean anything that you've ever heard? Or? Oh, yeah,
0: I, I know what it's supposed to mean. Okay. Okay? The re, it's not reference to the Garden of Eden. Okay. okay, maybe somebody has said it that, but apples, the purpose of their logo uh, is they kind of, they liked what the Beatles did. If you remember, if you look at Beatles' uh, logo, it's an apple also. But if you notice, what's out of the apple? What's out of the Apple? A byte. What is the computer system's, what's the representation of the computer system? Bytes. Bite. Okay? That's the whole thing supposedly from, for Apple's uh, logo. Okay? And so I, I don't think it's spiritual. I don't think it's mystical. It could be. Who knows? Okay? But that's what they say. Jobs said that's where the whole logo came from. Represents a byte. Computers. And we can get in the binary code. Uh, that uh, goes into the other part of it. and Yes, your pastor studies all this stuff for some reason. I don't know why. I just do this. Okay. Yeah, I'm married to a techie too. So other questions? Great question though. Anybody else? Anybody disagree with what we talked about tonight? I was not able to get into all of it. But folks, why did Satan fall? Very clear. His heart was lifted up in pride. As long as it was about God, Satan was okay. Lucifer is just doing what he was created to do. The minute it became about Lucifer, what happened? He fell. The minute the devil can make it about you, good or bad. Where's bitterness come from? Well, God doesn't care about me. That pastor doesn't care about me. That root of bitterness grows up in us. And it chokes the life right out of us. What's it became about? Our heart. That's why the Bible says don't let in, any of you develop the heart of Esau. It was all about him. Am I making sense? Okay. This is an invisible war. And it's not, it's not as difficult to see as we make it. Nor... Is it as difficult to win as Satan wants you to think it? This is an easy war to win. Pastor, it's not easy. Yeah, it is. The victory is ours because the battle was his. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And you know what? He gave the keys to us. He gave the authority to us. All power in heaven and earth. He said, I gave you authority over the devil and his angels. Anybody else? I must be a great teacher or you all just don't want to ask questions because you're afraid. Is is this understandable? Mm -hmm. Father, thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name, be blessed, be filled, be gone.